forgiveness, frequently asked questions on forgiveness. And when we put this on the calendar over a month ago, I had no idea what we were in store for. I had no idea what I was in store for. In fact, I think maybe I had kind of lost um, a a bit of sense of what forgiveness really is and what what it needs to be in in my life. And so I have learned a ton uh, in this week, and I hope that you learn with me because I don't like being alone in this process. And I really want you to be in this process with me. Um, A highway patrolman forgives a man that shot him five times and left him for dead. A father forgives a man who took advantage of his daughter. A young woman forgives a man who shot and killed her sister. Forgiveness. This is a tough, tough topic. I am not standing up here as some expert, and I'm not going to give you some quick tips on how to forgive and forget. That's not what this message is about, trust me. Um, But this, I believe, if you are here this morning or you are listening online, I believe that you are here by divine appointment. God has brought you here today. And I believe He will bring you here next week and the following week as we talk about this subject of forgiveness. Um, We all know we should forgive, right? I mean, we talk about that a lot. We talk about the fact that that God forgives us and that, that Jesus forgives us. But when it comes right down to it, it's one of the hardest things for us to do. In fact, not only is it hard for us to do, but as I have prayed... Uh, this week and studied and shared with people, I have come to the conclusion that what we are going to talk about in the next three weeks is the most important topic, if not the central thing in our faith, in Christianity completely, is this concept of forgiveness. Um, God, as as I mentioned, God put this series on the calendar over a month ago. So if you're sitting here thinking um, something new has come up in in your life in the last week or two or three, and you're thinking, well, we're just doing this because of of our situation. No, that's not the case. It was there. But isn't it amazing how God works? Isn't it amazing how God works? How many of us here today would say that we know a little bit about forgiveness? Raise your hand. You know a little bit about forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're probably thinking, well, I, I couldn't talk for two hours like you're going to today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not quite. Um, but you, you could talk with someone for five minutes over what it means to forgive. Um, maybe some uh, cases where you have forgiven someone. Um, you know about God's forgiveness. You know about the requirement, you know, that, that we're supposed to forgive. Now, in my experience... Over the last six or seven years, I have learned many lessons on forgiveness. Uh, I have experienced many crises in my lifetime, uh, yet in the last six or seven years, I would say so far in my life, it's in those years I have experienced the hardest, uh, the worst um, sense of betrayal that I've had to deal with myself personally. Um, and, And I had no idea what the Lord had for me this week. Um, I listened to several other messages by pastors online, and, and one of them by a pastor from uh, uh, Harvest Chapel in Chicago on this very um, topic, and, and much of what I say today uh, was brought to mind and to heart by James McDonald. Um, I needed it. I needed to hear it. And, uh, you know, I believe that for us as a church, for us as a people sitting here today, Uh, that God has words that He wants to give us. Um, And so I hope that that you will listen. I I want to apologize ahead of time just a little bit. Um, I tried to find some jokes to kind of fit in along the way here, and and I just really couldn't find any. They just didn't really seem to fit. And so um, hang in there with me if you feel like kind of like, you know, there's a, a gorilla sitting on your chest today because he's been sitting on mine too. 
Um, now, I've learned many lessons about forgiveness and, and the reality of it in life. But as I said, I believe that this third and fourth week of March 2013, as God deals with you and with me in forgiveness, that in ten years we could look back to this day and say, that was the day. That was the day that my life changed. That was the day that God did a work in me. So first of all, uh, we need to come to an understanding of God's view of unforgiveness. That's point number one in your notes. And we are going to be on this point for a long time. Um, we are going to work through the parable of the unforgiving servant found in Matthew chapter 18. You can turn there. We're not going to go right away, but if you could get there ahead of time, that would be great. Matthew chapter 18. As we begin to understand God's view of unforgiveness. Now listen to these words of Jesus. After washing the feet of the disciples, just before Jesus' crucifixion, He says this in John 13, verses 15-17. through 17, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. God wants to teach us today to view unforgiveness as He views it. Now sometimes I think we can become so comfortable with unforgiveness in our hearts that we avoid thinking about it. And, and we think that it's just going to go away. Well, I want us to be motivated this week and next to pray about our past. To pray about our present and where we are and what's going on in our life in relation to this word. Forgiveness. I want all of us to do an inventory of the injury and wounding and difficulty that we've experienced in life. And this week and next week, we're going to take steps to choose to forgive. Next week, we are going to talk about making forgiveness final. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, my hope and prayer is that all of us here today have asked Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior and that we have asked Him to forgive us of our sins. And if that is you sitting here today, then the next one of the next steps for us is then to obey as disciples what He tells us. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Again, uh, let me acknowledge to you, forgiveness is tough stuff. It's not easy. Um, no way in any shape or form do I want you to think I'm up here telling you that this is just an easy thing and that it'll be a kind of a one-step process and it's kind of over and done. You will see, I think, throughout the course of the message that that is not what I'm saying. I'm not attempting in any way to minimize or cheapen the pain that any of us feel. You see, the reason that the thought of forgiveness is so difficult for us is because it's completely illogical. It makes no rational sense that we would release another person from the pain that they have caused against us. That's, that's not how we operate. That's not how we want to operate as human beings. It goes against everything our human minds and emotions and bodies want to do. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we look to Jesus. Jesus said a lot about forgiveness. Um, in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. If you come to church and sing, or as you read your Bible, and you are holding unforgiveness towards someone else in your heart, Jesus says, you've got to let it go. If you hold anything against anyone, Jesus says, forgive them. Forgive them. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, let me make something very clear here. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Forgiveness is not the plan of salvation, okay? We don't forgive someone in order that God would forgive us. We forgive someone because God has forgiven us. 
It is because of our salvation. It is because that forgiveness that we have received that we are then able to extend that to another person. We don't do that in hopes of receiving salvation or forgiveness. It is because, you see, unforgiving people are unforgiven people. This is an important subject, isn't it? Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, we are to ask Him to forgive us our debts or trespasses. What? As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Forgive, forgive us our debts as we, like we, in the way that we forgive others. This is hard stuff. Forgiveness is tough business, but it's commanded business. So let's look at that Matthew chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 31. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Okay, Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 18 on forgiveness. And as he's teaching that, um, Matthew or Peter sort of has this, um, uh, you know, I know it happens to you sometimes on Sunday mornings. I can see it. You know, I'm, I'm doing the message and you, uh, I'll say something and then you sort of get distracted. And it's like, squirrel. Um, that's what's happening to Peter right here. He's starting to think about this stuff that Jesus is saying about forgiveness. And he's saying, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jesus. I, how far do you think we can go with this? You know, well, there's a limit here, Peter is thinking to himself. So when he gets a chance, he asks this question. He says, ah, let me find it. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And then Peter answers his own question. Doesn't he? He says, what, seven times? Now, what's, what's Peter thinking here? Peter has been thinking about this as Jesus is talking. And he's thinking, well, gosh, this is, this is way too tough. This is just going to get out of control. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to present Jesus with this number. Now, the Pharisees said that you needed to forgive up to three times. Okay, you needed to forgive someone up to three times. So Peter, in his intelligence and his, his effort to hit it out of the park, doubles that and adds one. Uh, is he thinking Jesus is going to go, wow, yeah, Peter, dude, you are, you rock, yeah, seven times. What does Jesus say? Verse 22, he blows their socks off when he says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, if you've memorized that in the King James, the King James says 70 times seven. Okay? Now, think about that. 77 times or 490 times. What is Jesus saying? He's not saying, all right, keep, a, keep track, keep count. When you get to 489, you, you know, you got one more time. And when you do the 490 thing, you're done. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus, um, and, and here's the reason why it's that way in both of, it's different in both of those translations. Um, because the original Greek says 70, 70. So it could be either way. The point is this. Jesus is exaggerating. We do that all the time, don't we? When have you not said to your children, if I've told you once, I've told you a, a thousand or a million. Thousand is old generation, million is new. You know, we've got to keep up with the national debt. So um, the numbers just get bigger and bigger. The point is what? Are you keeping a tally of a million? No, you're just saying... Man, I have told you and told you and told you and told you. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying you can't put a limit on forgiveness. You can't limit it. You can't limit it. Then Jesus says this. He says, hey, Peter, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story that will illustrate what I'm talking about. So he begins in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven. If you are comfortable with writing in your Bibles, you underline it. Circle kingdom of heaven right there because that is important. That is important because what Jesus is prescribing to us in this teaching is not of this world. It is not of this world. It is illogical. 
irrational. It doesn't make sense. Because I know you're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, but so-and-so did this against me. They deserve this. We're thinking that way. This is important. This is not man's way that we're talking about today. This is God's way. This is why it can be so difficult for us. Because if we try to rationalize it or understand it, or when we get sucked into the amount of pain and agony that we are in, in only our human self, it will fall to pieces. There will be no forgiveness. This blows human thinking out of the water. And I mean to tell you, I have struggled with this this week and in the last seven years of my life. Because it just seems crazy. One person said to me this week, this just seems impossible. Yes, in your strength and in my strength and in our human rationale, it is impossible. But God is the God of the impossible. And I am not twisting the words of Jesus here. This is what the Bible says. This is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He wants to receive all the money that he's owed. He's loaned a bunch of people money. He wants it back. So in verse 24, As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, again, We need to have an understanding of what this 10,000 talents is. 10,000 talents. uh, One talent, one talent equals 20 years of income. Okay? 20 years of income. So let's say the average income is $40,000 a year. Okay? So one talent equals $800,000. Jesus says he owed 10,000 talents. 800,000 times 10,000. I figured, I did this on a calculator just to make sure I was right. Moved the commas and counted the right number of zeros. It's $8 billion. It's $8 billion. If this man worked every hour of every day, of every week, of every year, till he dies, he cannot pay it off. It's impossible. The point that Jesus is making here, the picture he wants us to see, is that a debt that this debt in his illustration is unpayable. It can't be done. We all have an unpayable debt, don't we? We all have debts that are unpayable to God. Our sin, we can't pay for that. There's no amount of perfection that we could even aspire to that could pay for that. That's why Jesus is using that term. Verse 25 says, Since he was not able to pay, since the servant was not able to pay, we could not pay. We cannot pay. Many people have done many things to you. They have hurt you. Horrific acts occur every day in our country. We see it on the news, but we don't just see it on the news. It doesn't just happen there. It happens here too. Everyone sitting here this morning, I think, has something that has been done to them and to the people that you love by another person. And they cannot pay. There is no way that they can repair the damage that they have done. Or replace what has been lost. They can't pay. There is no amount of payment that you can extract from this other person There is no amount of revenge that you can demand which will make that right. They cannot pay. What has been done cannot be fixed without grace. Without grace. It cannot be fixed. He could not pay. Look at verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. Here's what I'm requiring of you, the master said. You are going to be a slave the rest of your life. You're going to be fed bread and water until you die. That's going to be your life. What a miserable life this servant had to look forward to. 
So, it says, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. What's wrong with that? We just learned that it's impossible for him to pay it back. He can't do it. He can't do it. He's promising something he can't do. Listen to this. Very seldom, if ever, will any person who has sinned against you rightly calculate the pain and damage that they have caused to you. Very seldom, if ever, will they rightly calculate the amount of damage and hurt that they have caused to you. Including you and me. Including you and me, because shame on us if we sit here and think, and we're only thinking about the damage that other people have done to us, and not the fact that we too have done things and made decisions and made choices that have hurt other people as well. Things that we cannot pay. Not one of us rightly estimates the impact of our failures and shortcomings on others. So, verse 27, the servant's master then, after this servant begs for mercy, actually begs for something that he can't do, time to pay it off, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. There should be this big, oh my goodness, from everybody in this room. Are you kidding me? Holy cow! Can you imagine... It's illogical. It makes no sense. His response isn't patience. The master's response doesn't give him more time. His love and compassion reaches far deeper than that, and he completely forgives the debt. He wipes the slate clean. Ah, what a move. Then the story continues in verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii in comparison to his debt was a few dollars. We're going to say ten dollars this morning. This other servant owes him ten dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he exclaimed, demanded. There should be an equal and opposite reaction from us in this. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? He just got everything forgiven and he goes out and he does this? Verse 27, the servant's master canceled the debt and let him go. But when he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, he grabbed him and began to choke him, pay back what you owe me. It's pretty clear, isn't it? It's pretty clear. Jesus is such a great teacher. He made it so clear. Verse 29, His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. Hmm, sound familiar? Those same words used by the servant to the master whose debt could not be paid A servant uses them to a fellow servant when the debt could be paid. But he refused, it says in verse 30. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. That's rational. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which he would never be able to do. Now, circle or underline this verse in your Bible, number 35, or verse 35. This, this is Jesus talking. It's red letters. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. 
I'll bet Peter's rethinking that question that he asked. Remember Jesus' words in John, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'll bet the servant is thinking as he cowers in front of the master, I knew, I knew what I should do. I knew what I should do, but I didn't do it. And he was delivered to the jailers. Well, why don't people forgive? Why don't we forgive? Why don't Christians forgive? This is the centerpiece of our faith and what we believe, and yet we struggle with it. We struggle with it. Why don't Christians forgive? Well, we make rationalizations that are foolish. See, Peter was looking for a way out. He's thinking, is there a person that I don't have to forgive? Is there a number that I have to get to and then it's, you know, I don't have to uh, forgive them anymore? Is there any kind of limit on this, Jesus? Is there a crime that I don't have to forgive? Is there an exit ramp? Is, is there a hall pass that I can get? Is there anyone in this room who could come up on this stage, grab a microphone, tell their story in all of its ugly details, and we would hand them, because we're all in agreement, we would hand them a pink slip that says, you get a pass on forgiveness, you don't have to forgive. That's what we want. That's what we hope for. As we rationalize things, I, I want to use this as an illustration. Some of you were thinking, wow, Pastor Dave's stepping up. He wore a coat this morning. I, well, I wanted to do this illustration, so I had to wear a coat. Um, this represents your story. This represents whatever someone has done to you or against you or to someone that you love. This represents that. And as we have that, we carry that with us. It becomes a part of us. And it just kind of sits there. It's uncomfortable. It's ugly. Even though it's a pretty looking pillow. It's ugly. Five common rationalizations that we give for not forgiving. Number one is this. I can't forgive because it's too big. It's too big. Think about what you're saying. I can't forgive this because it's too big. Well, I think if it's too big, wouldn't it be better to get rid of it? Let's get it off. Let's get it out of our life. The bigger it is, the more we should want to not carry it. The second common rationalization is this. Time will heal it. Time will heal it if I just ignore it. It'll go away. I'll forget about it. It won't bother me anymore. That's a lie. And it's not true. Some of you are sitting here this morning. And as you think about me talking about dealing with forgiveness in the last seven years, if there are things with the situation, I will talk about it here in a little bit, that, that you know about that and you have just been ignoring it and you haven't forgiven it, it's still there again. Those emotions are back. It isn't going to go away if we just ignore it. When you run into that person in the store or at the mall or at the school, it will start oozing again and it will be as sick as it ever was. The third rationalization we try to give is, I'll forgive when they say they're sorry, but until then, forget about it. Well, I've got some news for you. They're probably not coming. They're probably not coming. Now, God does a miracle in our hearts and we should go to people and, and God does miracles like that in their hearts. And if He did and they came to you and you're under this plan of I'll forgive when they come to you, you're not going to be ready. You're not going to be ready to forgive them. I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. Number four is this. I can't forgive if I can't forget. You know, not only is that not true, but it's backwards. 
you won't even begin to forget until you forgive. And number five, if I forgive, they might just do it again. They're going to take advantage of me and they might just do it again. Oh, you mean I have to carry two of these things around? Let's just stuff another one in here and see how that works for us. Let's get rid of it. Let's forgive. Again, I am not minimizing pain. God says, what, what does he say next in the text to the servant? He is turned over to the jailers for punishment. He is thrown in prison until he should pay all his debts. Suffering to pay is what he chose. The master didn't choose this for him. The servant did. He doesn't want forgiveness. He doesn't understand how forgiven he is. He doesn't want to forgive others. Not in him, not through him, and clearly you can't have one without the other. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. God means what He says. He says it lovingly. He's saying it generously, graciously, with the utmost care and concern for you and for me. God means what He says. This seems impossible. This seems harsh. To some of us, it seems this way because we have been ignoring and hiding it for such a long time that now it's there again. And we think again, there, there just is no way I can forgive. And I want to tell you that what has happened to me over the course of seven years has been a process. Seven years ago, I knew that God required me to forgive. Was I able to do it right away? I was not. But I did not ignore it. And I entered into a process, and I'm going to uh, talk about a process that, that I'm going to ask us to enter into here in a few minutes. Uh, James 2, verse 13, look up on the screen there. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Grace, listen to these definitions again. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve, okay? Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something we do deserve. Mercy is not getting something that we do deserve. Now, we have all kinds of things in our minds about what people deserve, don't we? They did that to me, and they deserve this, and they deserve that, and they should get this, and they should get that. Preferably with me watching or doing it is kind of how we tend to think sometimes. Pain for pain, pain for pain. Jesus is telling us to let it go. Now, just to be sure that we are all operating from the same definition of forgiveness, let me give you this. It's in your notes. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. Again, I am not giving you, uh, if, if you'll just simply say this and do this, then boom, it's going to be all okay. I recognize that this is a process. But we cannot ignore the need for the process. You have ten blanks there in your notes. And you're going, holy cow, Pastor Dave, it took you 25 minutes to get through point one. What are we going to do with ten more points? Trust me on this. Um, this list came from a Pastor Mark Driscoll, a pastor in Seattle. And this is a list of ten things that forgiveness is not. Because there are a lot of myths out there when it comes to forgiveness. And I want to help us understand that there are a lot of realities in the midst of what Jesus is commanding us to do. Ten things forgiveness is not. First, number one, it is not approving or diminishing the act. It's not approving of or diminishing the act. 
it was a bad thing. Maybe it was criminal, even. It's not saying, ah, you know what? Wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad of a thing. Number two, forgiveness is not enabling sin. It's not enabling sin. Um, If you have a relative that's borrowed thousands of dollars from you with the intent of paying it back, and and they haven't. In fact, now they refuse to. And you have forgiven them for that. You've not only forgiven the debt, but you've forgiven them for the attitude and and how they're treating you. That doesn't mean that you just turn right back around and loan them another $10,000. That's enabling them to continue in doing what they were doing. Forgiveness is not enabling sin. Forgiveness is not denying a wrongdoing. Kind of similar to number one, but different. Forgiveness in forgiving, we admit that yes, there was actually a wrong committed. Number four, forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. We already talked about that. They're probably not going to come. How many times have we... uh, Let me tell you a little story here. Um, Ten years ago, approximately, I was youth pastor here, and it was graduation Sunday, and, and we did as we always have done. I honored our graduates, gave them a little message, prayed for them, gave them a gift, and at the end of, of second service, one of the parents of, of one of these kids comes up to me in the front right here, and for three minutes, very loudly, tells me what a bad pastor I am, how I failed miserably at this today, how I should have done this, and I should have done this. felt about this tall. You've been there probably. As I left the church that morning, I'm like, Lord, please don't let this parent ruin this experience for their child because I had to go to their house that day for the graduation reception. And then for two weeks, I am praying, Lord, help me with this. What do I do? What do I do? You see, there's a verse in Hebrews that says, as much as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. Okay, so this is what I'm doing. I call him. I say, hey, can I come over? He says, sure. I go over. I meet him at his office and we have this conversation and I tell him, hey, look, you know, I want to apologize for being unprepared that Sunday morning. I know it's no excuse. I'm in seminary. I was behind. I could have done a lot better job at the presentation than what I did. Please forgive me of that. And then I said this. When you did what you did, when you said what you said, it made me feel like this. And then I explained to him how it made me feel. And in my mind, I thought this was going to be the greatest experience God had ever given me. And instead, he looks at me, he points at me, and he says, Good. That's how I wanted you to feel. Now, that's going to happen. As far as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. You see, when I left that place, I'm like, Lord, you've got to help me here. And he brought me to a place where I said, you know what? I released this person from this. I'm not going to think about this anymore. I have done, Lord, what you have asked me to do. And if he wants to keep harboring this bitterness and this anger in his heart, it can destroy him. It's not going to destroy me. And God said, you know what? You've done what I asked you to do. You see, bitterness... Bitterness. When we want to hold bitterness, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what bitterness is. That's what bitterness does to us. Forgiveness is not waiting for an apology. Number five, forgiveness is not forgetting. We can't forget this stuff. It stays there, but we, but we release the person from the obligation. We release the person from the obligation. Number six, forgiveness is not ceasing to feel the pain. There are things in in your hearts right now, I know. You would tell me, Pastor Dave, I've forgiven this person, but maybe I didn't really forgive them because I still feel that pain. It's still going to hurt. It hurt in the first place. Forgiveness is not necessarily ceasing to feel the pain. Number seven, it's not a one-time event. 
You know, you forgive someone and then something happens later and you want to pull all that stuff back up again. You want to throw it back in their face. And then you've got to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, take a step back over here. Okay, we started forgiving again. That's the, that's the crisis. I'm going to talk about that in a second. That's the crisis. Um, number eight, forgiveness is not neglecting justice. It's not neglecting justice. Now, Pastor Driscoll said that you can forgive someone and then you can sit in a court of law and you can testify against that person. Now, I'm, I'm still trying to figure this out, okay? Um, there are natural consequences for the things that we do wrong. And I can release someone of something that they've done wrong to me, but there's still other things and authorities out here that are dealing with this. And if you are asked to give the facts of something, then you should give the facts of something. That doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them. Uh, It's not neglecting justice. Number nine, it's not trusting. It's not trusting. If somebody comes over to my house... Well, I heard an example. Here's a good illustration. I heard this this week from another pastor. His his dad is an alcoholic and gets abusive when he's when 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 he drinks and uh, would beat up on this pastor. Now, this pastor said, "I have forgiven him for that, but I'm not going to go to a St. Patty's Day party at his house. I don't trust him." Now, it can be built back up over time, but it's not necessarily trusting. And finally, number 10, forgiveness is not reconciliation. It's not reconciliation. See, that person that I went to speak with, there was no recon... He didn't want reconciliation. It takes two people to reconcile. One person can forgive. One person can forgive. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured me. If I come up here and I grab my wife's Bible and I steal it from her and she writes all over her notes, she didn't want to. I have injured her in some way and and there is something that needs to transpire. Now, at one time I kind of thought, well, yeah, you kind of do. You forgive and forget and, and and, and, you know, the wrong just sort of mysteriously disappears in thin air. But you see, there needs to be a price to be paid here. There is a debt owed now. I, I owe her her Bible. Jesus told a great illustration in our thing today in the forgiveness of a debt. That debt didn't just immediately vanish into thin air. That guy who he owed that money, he didn't have his money anymore. He had to absorb that. And in some ways, that's what we do. We, we choose to absorb that pain that other, uh, that other person... I'm not going to try and extract it from them in the grace of God, I'm going to absorb that and God's going to work that out in my own life and I'm going to go forward. I'm going to move on. Now I owe chocolates and flowers. I will ask her to forgive me. If you took anything from me, respect, honor, money, purity, with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and my friends around me, I have to pay what that other person, what you owe. I absorb that. It has to be paid. Think about it. Think about the cross. Jesus just didn't say, poof, your sins are gone. There had to be a price to be paid. He chose to pay that price for you and for me. He absorbed it himself. And in turn, that's what he asks us to do to others. Seven years ago, as I mentioned earlier, a crime someone committed over a time of years was brought to light in this community. Um, If you know about that and you haven't forgiven in that sense, it's probably still there. And you need to let God deal with that in you. If you don't know about it, you've got other things to worry about, I'm sure. You know that sense of betrayal and mistrust Ignoring it hasn't worked, has it? There are so many situations represented here today. I know. I know. I've talked to some of you. In the last week, I've talked to you. I know how hard it is. But we need to take this command that Jesus gives us and we need to ask Him for His grace and mercy. 
to make that a reality in us. It was hard over that seven years, but God has brought me to the point, and I have forgiven to the point of if I see this person in a parking lot, hey, how's it going? I am not going to walk on the other side of the street like I used to. I would not avoid. I will talk to the family members. There is some healing that God has done in the midst of that and some incredible blessings that He gave us before one of those family members moved away. Because if God hadn't, I would still be holding on to this. And I can tell you today as a testimony, it's gone. I have released it. Does it still hurt sometimes? Yeah, you're seeing the tears. Do I remember it? You bet I do. But I have chosen to let it go. I am saying that they don't owe me anymore. I'm not trying to get revenge. I'm not focusing or hoping that they fail. But in God's grace, I've moved beyond what happened. And you can too. No matter what it is, you can too. So here's what we're going to do. This week, before next weekend, I want you to think and pray and ask God to do a work in your heart. Be bold and step out and say, God, dredge it up if you have to. Maybe I've covered it over with so many things that it's just a blip. It's just a pimple. But know that when he scrapes that off, it's all going to be there again. But do you want it to still be there next time you hear this message? Or do you want it to be gone? And begin that process of letting God help you to release that. So next week, we're going to talk about making forgiveness final. We're going to have cards for everyone. And in God's grace and mercy, we're going to choose to forgive. Write this down in your notes or on a thing. This is what I want you to do. Uh, maybe you, you'll write your own letters, whatever. I forgive and then a name for and then the circumstance. That's what the cards are going to say. I forgive... Blank for blank. See, there's a crisis and there's a process. The crisis we're experiencing right now, it's the decision to say, I choose to release you. That's the crisis. And then we begin the process. And there's three things to the process, and we're going to talk about this more next week, but those three things are, I won't bring it up to the person anymore, I won't be, bring it up to any of my friends anymore, and I won't bring it up to myself anymore. Now, I know you've tried that. You've forgiven, and, and maybe you've begun the process, but then, again, like I said, you grab that stuff back up again. You fail at that. You talk to somebody about it, or you think about it yourself, and it's like, okay, Lord, got to revisit it. You go back to the crisis. You forgive again. And in the grace and the mercy of God, He will help you to let go of that. Ty, you guys, come on up here. Next week, we're going to begin the process. Now, you may want to write this out ahead of time as God brings it. You, you may, you know, maybe you, you feel like you need to have some things that you need to just really let go of to God and you'll write a letter. Maybe, maybe you have so many that you're thinking, man, Pastor Dave, I would need a wheelbarrow. You know what? Wheel them in here. Wheel them in here. Next week, you will receive one of these cards and have an opportunity to let something go and forgive as the Lord has forgiven you, we will make them in such a way that you will be able to fold them over and kind of seal them so no one can look at them. And then you will come up and we'll have crosses throughout the room and you will nail them to the cross as a symbol that you are making this decision to forgive and let go. I know this is hard. I know some of you are thinking it's impossible. But how powerful is our God, really? What are we celebrating in two weeks? What have we been forgiven for? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for your incredible grace and mercy to us. Oh God, I, I know this is hard for people. It's hard for me. Lord, I pray that we would just kind of blow this off as, well, he's just an enemy. 
angry pastor wanting to vent on us. No, Lord, help us to see how important this is to, to begin allowing you to heal these wounds in our life. And now, Lord, as the ushers come forward and as we give of our tithes and our offerings and we sing this last worship song today, Father, I pray that you would encourage us with the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Nothing. May we trust in you this week in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers are going to come forward and they're going to take up our offering. Um, if you would put those connect cards in there, you know those decisions that the time said that I would refer to. The message kind of changed from when those were written till till now. So the the last part of the sermon, those those state that statement, that's that's what I want you to to be thinking about. And I hope to see you next week and the and the following week. Um, Nathan, lead us in worship as we give our tithes and our offerings. Let's stand and sing this last song. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You work them. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Let's sing that again. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepting you work then. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. 